0: Hi everyone, my name is Luis Colabertolo, and I'm a graduate student pursuing a PhD in the food science department at the University of Guelph. I have not taken a break from school since kindergarten and by doing this graduate degree I'm able to further prolong facing the reality of life after school. But along the way, I'm meeting fascinating people from all walks of life who are in graduate school as well. Although we may not be professionals in our fields, we still have a wealth of knowledge in a variety of disciplines, and we can share that knowledge with each other. But often when we see and listen to science podcasts and shows, they get a little bit too deep in vocabulary words and the minutia of science that can make listening hard work. What you're about to hear is a real, candid, minimally edited, conversation between two aspiring scientists today i'm talking with a colleague of mine olivia haley who is in the food science department at the university of guelph as well olivia and i started the program at the same time and on occasion share a phone charger at our desk we are going to have a great conversation about plants touching on topics like how to grow spicier peppers how to not kill your house plants and tips that help you make new plants from older plant trimmings. We may not know everything, and that's why you're listening to We Know Some Stuff. The scientists of tomorrow, talking today. Alright, so, Olivia, can you tell us uh, where you got your degrees and what you got your degrees in so far?
1: Yeah, um, so I got my bachelor's from the University of South Carolina, um, and... So that was in biological sciences, but I did, um, I guess, uh, some research projects in uh, plant molecular genetics. Uh, so that's where I got my first exposure into the plant world, um, into to the botany world. And uh, I really loved it. I could see, you know, I could see myself helping solve world hunger, being a hero. So I decided to just go with it. And um, I then transferred or, or matriculated into um, a master's program, a uh, master's in plant science at McGill uh, University. Um, and so there I was studying the, uh, the effect of different foliar treatments on, uh, on different crops, uh, corn, wheat, and soybean.
0: What, what kind of uh, treatments? Could you repeat that? What kind of treatments? Oh, uh, foliar treatment. What does that mean?
1: Uh, So just, uh, so they're nutrient treatments uh, that are applied to the,
0: uh, to the leaves. Oh, foliar, like, like a leaf. I see.
1: Yeah, yeah. So instead of um, like your traditional soil amendments, um, it could be like, you know, very, very rapid, very easily applied, uh, uh, just leaf treatments. (laughs) Oh, okay.
0: Okay, okay. So continue. I'm sorry for interrupting.
1: So from there, I, um, I decided to, I guess, get a job in the industry um, and then the, the job that I chose was in a food science, uh, working in a food science lab or food safety lab, mm-hmm. uh, and decided that I was working with um, with detecting different pathogens in produce.
0: So a pathogen, I, remind us real quickly. Uh, which pathogens? Any pathogen. What is a pathogen?
1: Oh, yeah. So a pathogen is uh, any sort of uh, microorganism like a bacteria or fungi it can cause diseases in, in humans. Um well mainly humans uh, sometimes you have like your zoonotic pathogens as well um so i was looking at uh, sal- or detecting salmonella coli, listeria and uh different produce
0: yeah those are definitely um, the big name pathogens those are the ones to be yes. afraid of
1: <laughs> for sure uh you will not have a great time if you uh contract any of those i don't imagine uh, you would no no <laughs> And so from there, I decided that I really liked uh, uh, food, food micro and, and food safety. And uh, so I decided to then uh, go back, do a PhD, combine my interests in both plant science and, and food micro, and uh, that's where I am right now.
0: Wow, there you go. That is, it's quite the journey. You went from plant to food plant to food, and now, you're, now you are where you are. Do you have any idea of what you want to do, quote unquote, when you grow up?
1: <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> when I grow up, um, so you know, I'm thinking of, uh, of looking at uh, uh, something in the research and development within the industry. Um, just because I, I like uh, I like the applications uh, that come with uh, industry research, um, and yeah, I just re- I really like doing research. I like uh, contributing to uh, to the scientific community.
0: Oh, that's super awesome the scientific community there is so much so much knowledge in there and there is so much that we don't know at this point that it's absolutely crazy yeah and um, one thing that I, I think is so super interesting about the the stuff that you look at the botany is that we are surrounded by that every single day of our lives. And we can use your super specific scientific knowledge to like better the plants that we have in our homes.
1: Yeah, for sure. It was really interesting as I was uh, as I was studying uh, during my master's and I was uh, I was learning all of these principles and it became like, oh, that's why that happens. Like, oh, that's why that grows like uh, like that. And yeah, so it became really it became a really, really cool experience for me.
0: So did it make you better? At growing your own houseplants?
1: Ooh, that's the uh, that's the big question. Mm. Um, I would say houseplants are not my specialty. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, as far as growing things uh, out in my garden, um, yeah, I was able to uh, to to learn a bunch of different techniques on uh, on you know how to make my my plant spicier or make my basil like more fragrant and yeah.
0: All right so that is the really really cool stuff that I wanted to talk about today. Can you start with that very first one? I want to know how I can make a pepper spicier than the same pepper from the same seed. Tell me more.
1: Yeah yeah so um I guess of First, first things, uh, first things first. Uh, so, the spice from uh, different peppers uh, mainly comes from uh, capsaicinoids or different uh, different compounds that are produced by uh, by the pepper. Um, the most famous being uh, capsaicin, uh, what gives that nice spicy, tingly uh, taste in, in the back of your mouth. So, this uh, this compound is actually produced by plants as a response to stress. Oh. Uh, and, yeah, yeah, it's actually a, a stress response. Okay. Um, so, knowing that it's a that knowing that it's a stress response, um, people have been manipulating this uh, for I, I would say you know decades now. Really? Uh, by just yeah, by just uh, implementing uh, more stress, uh, in particular drought stress, to uh, to the pepper, and it makes the peppers uh, become spicier.
0: This is crazy. One. Is this like a violation of plant rights? Like, is (laughs) that the the people for ethical treatment of plants going to come and, like, shut this podcast down?
1: I mean, I would definitely say if you are trying to (laughs) encourage some sort of characteristic in a person, maybe don't induce drought stress. um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) So I can't make spicier people.
1: You know, I wouldn't try it. Yeah. And I mean, you know, even within plants, you can only make them spicier to an extent, because it depends on not just the environment, uh, but then also like, the genetics of the plant, like, is this plant actually producing enough capsaicin to be spicy? Uh, Because, you know, you have some of your plants, like your bell pepper, your bell pepper, no matter how much drought you induce, will
0: never become as spicy as your, you know, your habanero peppers. Oh, okay, right. So it's in the genetic material of the plant that says either we can make this much spice or we can't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Okay. Yes. So, if I wanted to, how spicy could I get a green pepper, or is that just unfeasible?
1: Um, as far as like a green bell pepper, yeah. um, I haven't seen I haven't seen too many um successful cases in which uh, you can actually make those very spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as like your habaneros, um, actually. I, uh, had a ornamental little, um, uh, rainbow chili pepper, rainbow Rainbow chili chili pepper pepper pepper. plant. Okay. Yeah. It's like, um, oh, they have them everywhere as ornamental plants, but a lot of people don't know you can actually eat them or use them. Okay. Um, yeah, they're like, uh, they're just plant they're They're plants with like purple, maybe like dark green leaves. And they have like really bright, like yellow, red, um, orange, purple, like, uh, uh, chilies. Mm
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so yeah, I grew one of those and um induced uh induced drought stress, although not intentional. I just <laughs> oh. forgot.
0: <laughs> okay. I see where this story is going. Continue. <laughs>
1: yes um this was uh during my masters and i was sharing the um well sharing my flat or sharing my apartment with i think it was four other people and all five of us forgot to water the plant um and so normally those uh plants were uh or those peppers are like mild spicy Mm -hmm. but then i bit into one um i bit into a pepper when it was ready to pick and i downed pretty much a liter of milk <laughs> all in once because i just couldn't i could not handle it it was that <laughs> spicy yes i mean and i'm i'm used to spice too i'm i'm from the south born and raised used to spice um but then of course yeah my friend from uh Sichuan bit into it and she was like hmm this is interesting
0: <laughs> well, I mean, if you're from yeah. the Sichuan area in China, that is a uh, that's a different level of spice we're talking about.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, as far as taking a pepper that you know that's that's normally uh, very mild with a little bit of spice and making them very spicy, I think I think that's feasible. But if you're making like a, a pepper that's like a bell pepper and you're trying to make it as spicy as a habanero, I don't think uh, I I haven't seen a successful case of that.
0: Oh, okay. So, right. So it it depends on the type of plant. That it starts out with the the level of spiciness that you can achieve. Is that more or less correct? Yes, yeah. Okay. So now, how would I go about this? Could I just not water my plant for a week, two weeks? Uh, I imagine you have to kind of balance a line without killing the plant, but also stressing the plant enough to make uh, this capsaicin.
1: Yeah, that's, uh, that's a great question. Um, so usually, uh, what growers will do is that, um, they'll, well, I say growers, but if you're doing this you're most likely in like a pot at home. Right. Um, so like if you're at home and you just have like a pot with a pepper plant in it, uh, if you just like let the, the, the soil completely dry out, Mm -hmm. wait to wait for the leaves to shrivel just a little bit and then, um, just then water it, give it a good soak. That's enough drought stress. And, you know, you do that starting at flowering, um, and then I think you can proceed all the way through till you start producing uh, peppers. And you'll get some spicy peppers.
0: Wow, well, so it's, it's not even that hard to do it.
1: Not at all. It is super convenient for, for anyone who is exactly like me and will water your plant maybe
0: once a month. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> so ultimately, through neglect, you can make a spicier pepper.
1: I mean, Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's something else that is something else i that's crazy because i i had no idea that you could do this type of thing to a plant just by changing the environmental conditions more or less yeah 100 percent. you know I've, I've heard in the past people have mentioned um changing the ph uh, also known as the acidity of soil can change a lot of properties of plants do you know anything about that
1: uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's sort of like, uh, like your classic, uh, hydrangeas, uh, yes. where, you know, you can have purple, a purple variety or a, uh, or a blue variety that are really, they're just the same variety. And it just depends on the pH of, of your soil. I think if it's more basic, it turns blue. And then if your soil is more uh, acidic, it turns, uh, it turns pink. Um, and I think, it's sort of the same with um it's sort of the same with uh, with peppers as well to an extent um in that as as like the grow so as the growing season progresses your peppers actually get spicier okay. and um yeah and so like that is in and and so like as they get spicier um the, I guess like the colors start to develop as well so you can have a pepper that starts out as purple and then or green and by the end of the growing season it changes to uh, to, um, to like your, your classic red pepper and uh, that's mainly just due to different uh, changes in pH um, and causing uh, the degradation of different uh, pigments. Oh, or what, or, interesting. Yeah, or compounds that, uh, that give your pepper color.
0: Okay, so, so by changing the pH or the acidity of the soil, you can change the same exact plant and make a different you know, looking plant, a different tasting plant, um, all through really using the same exact starting materials. Yeah,
1: precisely. I mean, you know, you have to be careful because, you know, as you change the, uh, you know, as you change the the pH, if you uh, change it to like a more acidic soil, you could promote the the growth of different fungus
0: uh,
1: or fungi. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. So you could have, you could end up having a a fungus problem. Um, But, you know, that's, easily that's also easily fixable with some nice uh, common methods like um supplementing your soil with calcium with mm. eggshells or mm. people even put milk in their uh their their plot but you know i haven't tried
0: that no, so. okay <laughs> strong bones you gotta get don't those don't quote me <laughs> gotta, gotta get some strong bones in your plants yeah this this is actually really super cool because i i feel as if everyone at some point has been told you could add this to the soil of your plant and it'll grow better I've heard eggshells before. I've I've definitely heard eggshells. I've heard coffee grounds, um, which yeah. I assume a coffee ground is more on the acidic side.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: And then I've also heard, you know, a number of different things. Like you want to use fruit scraps, but you don't want to use too many fruit scraps. Because too many, like, lowers the pH or, or increases the acidity too much. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people in Canada compost... That's uh, a, definitely a lot more popular than it is down in the States. Yeah. Um, and I, I have a little compost thing in my kitchen right now, and I make coffee every morning. So my coffee grounds mm-hmm. always go in there. And I, and I honestly I make more coffee than is probably naturally good for me to consume. <laughs> but my compost, <laughs> by the end of the week, it looks like just like this black sludge. Mm. So I probably wouldn't want to use that in my garden.
1: Yeah, you definitely want to make sure that you you balance that out. Yeah, you can throw you can throw in different things or like eggshells, um, mm-hmm. though that works. Um, but yeah, you definitely w- don't want the soil to be too acidic because yeah, it'll either promote fungal growth uh, or your plants just won't grow um, because oh, yeah. if they're unhappy as uh, little seedlings, they are just they're just not gonna make it. <laughs> they're, not,
0: they're not having a good time. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I've heard before that you can add like leaves and twigs to uh decrease the acidity to raise that ph is that is that something you uh, can do yeah i mean
1: i yeah i, I guess that does make sense because uh, it is um it is sort of a, a nutrient matter but without like uh, uh but without like um the acidity that maybe throwing uh, orange peels mm-hmm. or lemon peels brings balance the ph um but it, yeah it's going to be really good just because it has a, a lot of uh, nutrients uh, that are that are that can be made available
0: to to the plant. Okay, really cool. So it's so, like you know you got these decaying plants, you got your decaying uh, flowers and 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 eggshells and all of these other different things, and they're more or less becoming food for the soil. This is this is some serious like circle of life material <laughs> going on right now. This is the universe is connected kind of stuff.
1: Yeah, for sure. And like after so like after um, I have like a little garden plot and after I do my harvest, uh, I don't even remove uh, my like leftover um, shoots or anything. I just leave them on the ground and the next um, the next season I'll I'll rotate the the soil. Mm -hmm. Um, So that helps just like redistribute um, all the organic matter that's now just like kind of lying on that thin
0: layer on the top. Um yeah, and then your soil is is renewed to an extent, so you know this is something that i've I've actually been curious about for a while. And I've never had the opportunity to ask, and I'm curious if you know but um people rake their leaves right on their lawns. are they almost like stripping the potential of nutrients getting onto their their grass and their lawns by raking those leaves away and not letting them you know decay over time
1: yeah that's a that's a good question um from 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 what I know, um, I think that like if the if the leaves were allowed to decay, they would definitely add a uh, quite a bit of nutrient value to to the soil and allow uh, the grass to grow better the next year. Do you also want to have your leaves just kind of like is it, is it is it aesthetically pleasing to have your leaves just everywhere? And I think that's uh, mainly where people are like, eh.
0: right, right. So that, <laughs> there's that balance again. Like, what are you going to choose? Are you going to choose to have like soaked? Soppy, wet, smelly sort of leaves on the ground or or are you going to have like the beautiful lawn, which ultimately adding the nutrients from those leaves would help you achieve, but you'd never be able to see it because it would be under like that that wet, yep. nasty leaf crumbles disgusting, <laughs> disgusting
1: yeah so like what I do um is that like I'll use grass clippings or like leaves in the lawn, and I'll just add that to the compost um or um you can just like crunch it together
0: and make some sort of a mulch mm-hmm. for your for your plants as well. Oh, so super cool. so if I was composting at home and let's say I had a nice balanced compost, I should not necessarily use that as my potting soil but kind of as like a booster more or less.
1: Oh, yeah. Okay. so uh, the problem with using uh, all compost or too much compost is that the nutrient status could could end up being really high. And so it's kind of like with uh, with humans uh, when you have when you're eating your 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 green beans or or your fruits and vegetables where they're really good for you. But if you eat like 10 pounds of green beans, you're going to end up feeling sick. And so it's the same thing with plants. You know, you want to give them enough
0: nutrients, but not too much. Because too much is just as bad as not enough. Really? So th- so that's interesting. You can, like, flood it with so many nutrients that it's, like, drowning in its own uh, nutrients? Pretty much. Uh, so- sometimes
1: this actually causes a leaf burn, mm. uh, where the leaves were, will actually uh, react by dying off if you have too many nutrients. I believe it's too much... Um, it's too. If you have like too much um, uh, nitrogen or phosphorus or potassium, mm-hmm. um, which are the big three that uh, that's usually supplemented in the soil, um, yeah. If you have too much of these, you you can end up burning your uh, your plant.
0: So then, what about all of these uh, nutrients that you can buy? There's a lot of like commercialized products. There's the the blue crystals, the stuff you add to the water, the stuff to spread on top. Like, where? What do you do with all of that? How do you make sure you're not giving them too many nutrients?
1: Uh, I would definitely say, you know, if if you if you're going to invest in, in these, definitely pay attention to the uh, to the instructions that are being used. Um, you know, if your plants looking really sad, uh, but you've already given them a nutrient treatment, you know, don't say, oh, got to hit it again with another uh, nutrients, with more nutrients, you know, uh, maybe just lay off the nutrients and see if there's, like, another thing, like, uh, watering or, you know, just the, the environment that it's uh, surrounding that's making your, your plant wilt or something.
0: So, uh, that, that's honestly, like, really interesting stuff, because in my brain, more nutrient, more better. Like, if I could just, like, jack it up, with nutrients, I'm doing a good job. But that's not the case. That's going to kill my plants.
1: Yeah, 100%. Yeah. It's just like with us. You know, when we have too many nutrients, it can cause a, a range of different uh he- different health conditions. Like,
0: you know, I- gastric distress, pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> Your body is like, no, stop it. And these yeah, plants are telling us the same thing. The plants are like, I'm going to start... Killing my leaves if you don't stop giving me nutrients like right yeah. now. <laughs> a little dramatic. You gotta admit, on the plants part, it's a little dramatic.
1: little dramatic, but you do what you gotta do.
0: You do what you gotta do. Except for me, that I don't really know that and I continue to give it more nutrients and then I'm shocked. <laughs> I'm just blown away by the fact that these plants are screaming in agony in front of me. Yeah. <laughs> That is craziness. And then uh, one other thing that I have thought about my entire life is that my mother does this one really weird thing every single year. She makes this big fuss of dragging every single house plant she owns, and she owns a lot of houseplants. She drags them all, even the really heavy ones, like the ones that are like the indoor trees, and it's like this whole process, we have to help her, da 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 da, da. we have to drag <laughs> them all outside. And then she takes a bowl of hot water, milk, and a little dish soap, and she wipes every single leaf of every <laughs> single plant in the entire house what is going on is my mother a (laughs) madwoman?
1: no not at all in fact uh she's actually practicing something or an agricultural technique that's been around for ages and you know it's what i did uh, my master's in uh, foliar treatments um foliar nutrient treatments in fact um so the idea is uh well First, as far as wiping your, uh, your leaves off, uh, the idea is that, especially within the house, um, you know, a lot of dust can accumulate. And you know, it, if this is out in the environment, you know, it's not too much of a problem because rains will come by, you know, or, or, or animals will come by, brush the dust off or brush the, the pollen or, or any particulate matter off. Um, but in the house environment, you can't do that, so dust uh, collects. Um, so wiping off your, uh, your, your plants uh, and so that they can uh, keep up their photosynthesis, um, which is the way that they obtain energy and then um, uh, create nutrients, um, is actually a, a great idea, um, especially if it's done, you know, not too often, once a year, maybe even twice maximum. Um, yeah. And then so as far as milk, uh, one of that's within milk, as we all know, is calcium. And so adding calcium into the, uh, into the mix is actually a pretty good idea uh, in theory uh, because calcium has actually been known to, um, uh, to raise the pH of the leaves or the soil. And so that is what deters different fungi from, uh, from, you know, reproducing or like from their spores from germinating. So it acts as kind of like an antifungal. So it's got, it's got some truth to it that that
0: is uh, insane I, i'm blown yeah. away by this
1: so calcium calcium is good for the plant the plant can take up calcium through the leaves uh but it has to be enough calcium mm-hmm. and so if you're diluting milk with water um you run the risk of having a not enough calcium for it to actually make a difference okay um so th- this doesn't mean go go out and spray all your plants with with, with milk <laughs> yeah Definitely. like a little
0: spray bottle just kind of like you see, what they do with the bonsai trees—they have the little Mister. I should not. Yeah. I should not put milk or chocolate milk. I'm assuming chocolate milk is off bar too.
1: <laughs> yes, your your chocolate, your strawberry, your your soybean milk. It's, it's almond milk.
0: Gonna, like, yeah, your soy no. milk is.
1: It's not gonna. Not gonna. No. So if your plants
0: are vegetarian, you still don't even give them almond milk. <laughs>
1: Exactly. So, I mean, there is there is sort of like this other side of is the amount of calcium uh, that's within a diluted solution of milk enough? And I think that's something that's still kind of iffy, as far as I see uh, in the literature, because um, I because I like reading about this stuff. Yeah, of course. And, uh, yeah, I've seen some experiments where it worked, mm-hmm. where people actually try actually used milk and water, and it and it worked. Um, and other experiments where it didn't work as well. Um, so it's still kind of like, you know.
0: Yeah, it's it's a mystery. Is this
1: legit? Yeah is is this legit?
0: It, yeah, I mean, it, it's like this old wives' tale. It's like you, you do this one weird thing because people have been doing it for generations. You have no idea why you're doing it. But it works. Yeah. <laughs> and there's got to be some sort of scientific reasoning behind it, right? It can't just work because it works. It's not magic. <laughs> so, so then there's still two parts of this I don't fully understand. Why yeah. is dust bad for the plant?
1: yeah so um dust itself isn't necessarily um isn't necessarily going to kill your plant um the only the only problem with dust is that if you have uh if you have like anything that is obstructing the leaf the leaf isn't able to uh to take in as much sunlight Mm. uh, or it isn't able to then you know use that sunlight to to convert carbon dioxide and our, our good buddy water uh into different energy sources uh like glucose and and oxygen um yeah, so having having like a I, I, I'm not gonna say like having a the tiniest little dust particle is gonna throw off your plant, but you know if, if you haven't if you haven't cleaned your plant in a while it it, it might be time.
0: <laughs> All right, okay, so I get that, but then there's one last part which I'm working it over in my brain right now. Why a couple drops of dish soap?
1: Yeah, that's uh, that's another thing that has. That's actually used in the agricultural industry when applying uh, herbicides or insecticides.
0: (laughs) They use soap? Wait, in my (laughs) brain, soap bad. I would never give my plants soap. That just sounds like a terrible idea.
1: (laughs) You know, normally, if you were... So if you were to, to, to throw... Don dish soap, you know, right and dump it all into to your plant uh, into your planter. Yeah, your plants are definitely gonna die. <laughs> okay. Fair but, enough, uh, fair. You know, yeah. So the thing with the thing with, uh, the thing with uh, dish soap or just soap in general is that it acts as a surfactant, because if you were just to, um to to throw some water or throw some milk on the leaves, the, uh, the, the nutrients or, or whatever you're going to throw at it is likely just to roll right off. So the surfactant allows it to, uh, or allows your treatment to stick better to the leaves. Mm-hmm.
0: And so that, that's all that it's for. So that's really interesting. Let's, let's back up just a second and talk about a surfactant, right? Mm-hmm. That, that's probably a foreign term to a lot of people. But uh, a surfactant, uh, from what I know from working in food science particularly, a surfactant is something that grabs onto things. We can use a surfactant to uh, grab onto air. We can use it to grab onto fat. We can use it to grab onto water. And that's what uh, soap does. So when you wash your hands and you lather it up, those bubbles that you're creating are because there's a surfactant in the soap that's grabbing onto air. And it's sort of trapping that air in it. So you're telling me that the, the surfactant, the dish soap that my mom is using, is kind of like grabbing onto the leaf and, and, and taking things with it or leaving things on it? What, what is yeah. going on?
1: So, yeah, the surfactant makes sure uh, not only that the water is atta- stay, well, sticks to the leaf, but then also your milk, which is carrying your nutrients or your, your calcium, sticks to the leaf as well. Okay.
0: So, so right. It, it is going to make sure that everything doesn't just roll right off. Exactly. Oh, that is super Interesting. All right. Yeah. Well, I, I want to close things today with just a, a, a little piece of information that I found extremely useful that Olivia has told me in the past. And uh, <laughs> the, the story needs just a little bit of a, a backstory in order to explain things. Um, I, I can say proudly that Olivia and I are co-parents to two <laughs> houseplants. Um in our office, uh, specifically at my desk, I have two uh generic ivy type plants that um I've had for for years now and they're these incredibly hardy plants. And I I wanted something at work so to make my desk, I don't know, a little bit less depressing if at all possible. And we named these two plants um particularly we're very proud of the naming. We decided the first one was going to be Photosynthia, named after Photosynthesis, and then Chloroplastia, yeah. named after Chloroplast. <laughs> it was important that we named them. It's, it's a big deal. But when I wanted to make Chloroplastia from Photosynthia, so Chloroplastia was not always around, I wanted to make another one. So I took a little bit from Photosynthia, And I turned it into chloroplastia. And uh, probably a lot of people have done this before. They take a trimming of a plant. They stick it in water. They wait till the root grows. And then they put it in soil. And that's awesome. But Olivia gave me great advice on how to choose what part of the plant you snip off to make a new uh, piece of plant. Could you walk us through that a little bit?
1: uh sure sure um so this comes purely from trial and error um so you know i've made cuttings that were quite successful and then other cuttings where i stuck it into water or soil and then it died so this comes from my success stories (laughs) this is
0: science no 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 this is real trial and error you are explaining science right now continue
1: (laughs) when you have a a plant like um i believe i believe this one was like a just like an ivy plant Mm -hmm. um if you cut uh, too high up or or too far down, um, you can end up taking more of the plant that you need, or you can end up um, taking a section of the plant that isn't fully developed, um, or and and subsequently it can just like die. Uh, so you want to make sure that you're taking enough of a segment of a plant. So like the plant has if the plant has like different little nodules on it um, where you have different leaves coming up from it. Uh, You want to make sure uh, that you cut far enough down from the nodule so that you're not uh, including that so that your leaf isn't too far to the bottom. Um, So that's like where I've had the most success with that. Um, And then also, if you see there are well, especially with like ivy plants uh, on the vine, they usually have these little uh, small like brown bumps. They could be brown, they could be white. Uh, those are
0: actually roots. Those are actually where the plant is trying to root. All right. So, uh, so you- back up. Roots are in the soil. You are yeah. crazy talking right now. You're telling me <laughs> you that there are roots on the 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 leaf area, the stems?
1: Yeah, 100%. Like that main stem, 100%. There are there are little roots, especially if you have um vining, especially if you have vining plants and their structure comes from roots. So, if you ever see those, those are your plant reaching for that's your plant reaching for some sort of structure. So, if you make sure that you include those, you can you can end up speeding up your uh, your your I guess like your your root propagation
0: in your new plant. So, okay, so 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 the plant was like actively trying to grab onto the texture of the corkboard that it was like up against. You know, um, that's a really good question, uh, because I
1: haven't exactly tested this uh, against, um, I would say, like, uh, against something that's more uh, compact, like the wall or something. Something
0: non-porous, maybe like uh, plastic backing?
1: Yeah, so I'm not really sure if it'll be as... um, as effective with, uh, with that sort of backing. Um, but it could be that like these, uh, like the, like you said, the porous uh, cork was just a nice, uh, a nice, uh, I guess, medium to, to mm-hmm. shoot off
0: roots into. All right. So, so my plan is it's created these little brown nubs on them. And, and you're saying that the the plant was like, all right, I want to grab onto something. I want to create a little bit of structure, but ultimately they Didn't they were still just these little nubs, so yeah. We then used one of these nub areas to grow a root. So so we cut it and and also thank you for helping me choose the right cutting spot because normally I cut it way way closer to the leaf and you said that that's not good, but we we found a spot with like one of these little brown roots and we put it into a glass of water. Actually, I think we wrapped it in a wet paper towel to start. Or did we just put it in water? I don't remember. I
1: think we just put it in water. Okay, we put we, it in a coffee cup that yes. belonged to
0: someone. Yeah, we thanks had no for, idea who owned that coffee
1: cup. cup someone. <laughs> yeah,
0: we, we do not know who owned that coffee cup. Um, but you know what? That coffee cup has given us life. But, but either way, the, <laughs> that little brown thing turned into a root. And, and way faster than I've ever seen a root of a plant form. Because whenever I do these, when you you put the the leaf into the water or whatever, I feel like I'm always waiting so long. But this was like by the end of the week, we had like a root. And then over the weekend, it was like, oh, my God, there are now two roots. (laughs) And we were like, chloroplastia, you are ready to go to your new home, which is a little pot. Which, in all fairness, we also found this pot in the kitchen. So we don't. We don't know (laughs) whose that is either. And it's now it's it's filled with dirt too. So maybe we shouldn't return it.
1: We definitely owe someone like a thank you letter or just like a thank you note.
0: (laughs) You know, I wouldn't be surprised if we go back in the office and there's going to be a sign that says like, please do not use kitchenware to grow plants. (laughs) And we won't know. It'll be anonymous. We won't know who wrote (laughs) it, but we'll know that's about us.
1: There'll be just like a hashtag, like hashtag return my coffee
0: cup. (laughs) I'm just saying, we don't know where the coffee cup (laughs) is. It disappeared. We don't know. They'll never catch us. All right. So that is super interesting information. I want to thank you so much for having this conversation. We have learned so much about plants in just a short, short, short amount of time. Awesome.
1: Yeah. Thanks for having
0: me. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll be back next week, probably with a little bit more on a different topic.